Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. It is good to be here with people. <laughs> ah, Lady Carmen and I and a few others were here for the past few Sundays, but it is good to be here with people. The Bible says, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I know it's a little bit tough to sing through the mask, uh, but God hears your praises, and we do too. And I also want to uh, commend those of you who fought through the traffic of the 5K race. Uh, hopefully the Lord will reward your diligence. Amen. And even though I don't know, I can't see you smiling on your, under your mask, I know you're smiling anyways. I have faith you're smiling. Praise the Lord. Uh, well, let's get into the word. Father, I pray right now that my speech and preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of your spirit and power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. Again, I borrow the Apostle Paul's words, his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto all of us the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts, let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts, not our minds, but our hearts, be enlightened so that we would know what the hope of your calling is and what are the riches of the glory of our inheritance that is in Christ Jesus and help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in us. And all God's people say, amen. 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 Well, we're going to get into the word and I'm, I asked my buddy uh, Caleb Griffith if he would just uh, give the reading of the word at this time. Come on, let's just welcome Caleb. Amen. You can take the audience. saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and have, and have him come to worship him. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you your word. For Herod will see the, seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in, in, and in all its districts, from two years 
old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Rachel weeping for her children. Amen. Thank you, sir. Nope, you got the mic and you got the gift. Oh. Get the mic. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> hey, you can do better than now. Just give him some encouragement. Thank you, sir. Woo! All right. Amen. I want to speak, those of you who follow the liturgical calendar, uh, um, we're not quite a strict adherent to it, but we're aware of that this past week, last Sunday, was the beginning of what's called the Advent season, Advent, meaning the coming of the Lord. And the first, there are four subjects that are celebrated throughout the Advent season. Uh, the first one is this past week was hope, and then this Sunday begins peace, and then the following Sunday is um, joy, and then the last Sunday is love. And because, you know, I've heard that song many times and wondered how far they traveled, and uh, there's various resources and information regarding how far they travel. Some say they traveled at least 400 miles. Some say they traveled almost six to 800 miles to see Jesus. And when I think about uh, this season, when I think about the birth of Jesus Christ, this, this season we call Christ Mass. Christ Mass, Mass means celebration. And, of course, Christ is the anointed one, so we are celebrating Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, uh, God with us, Emmanuel. But I asked myself questions as I watched this text and read this text. I, I asked myself a question, and one of the questions was, um, the, the innkeeper, and just give you a little history that Mary and Joseph lived in, in Galilee, I believe, and, and when Caesar makes a proclamation that the entire empire is going to be taxed, and therefore, and we're used to this even here in the United States, therefore, before I want to implement the taxes so that uh, the, the coffers of Rome can be filled, uh, we're going to have to take a census. And... In this case, the census was that um, you had to return to the place of your birth, the town of your birth. So you, we find that Mary and Joseph had to travel from Galilee, which like northern Israel, all the way to Bethlehem, which was the southern part of Israel. And the guess is that it probably took them about uh, anywhere between three and five days to travel from Bethlehem, not from Galilee, which is, he was around from Nazareth area, all the way down to Bethlehem, where Joseph was born. And it is interesting how God will use circumstances to make sure that his word is confirmed. Because the prophet said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and so God simply used Caesar to declare a tax to make sure 
that his scriptures would be fulfilled. Amen. You have no idea. You may be going through something and you're angry at God and how could this happen to me and not even know that God is fulfilling his promise and his word in your life. Amen. How many of you have experienced God closing a door, you got upset and realized that closed door was an open door to the will of God? Amen. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. So, so you have them now traveling and they get to Bethlehem and because everybody who was born in Bethlehem is traveling there to fulfill Caesar's requirement and census, when they get there, and my guess is, you know, uh, Joseph is, he's traveling with a pregnant woman. So this is a tough journey. Amen. I know some of you are, you know, maybe you were pregnant and you were you know, whining and complaining about, oh, I had to take a cab and I had to take, can you imagine riding nine months pregnant on a donkey? Yeah, Jesus is right. <laughs> so you get there and you're like, praise God, we finally arrived and there are, there are, there's no vacancies in the hotel, not one. And the innkeeper says, well, I'll tell you what, we don't have any room in the inn. Uh, and, and you can understand, Bethlehem is not Boston. Okay. Bethlehem is not Cambridge. Beth Bethlehem is like, it, it, it is like, uh, it's a small town. It's, 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 a, it's a one traffic signal town. So can you imagine if you travel, I don't know about you, but sometimes I travel, well, many times I travel, and you're tired, and you've been flying all day, and you finally get to the hotel, and you get upset because there's no room or they don't have the right room. Could you imagine traveling and you finally get to your destination and they said, sorry, there's no vacancy for you here, but we do have a room, we do have space in the parking garage. Now, everybody during this season there was a sense throughout the world that something was about to happen, and particularly the Jews was wondering, is this the season that the Messiah is going to come? So there was an expectation. So I, had a, I asked myself a few questions. What if the innkeeper actually knew that this woman, actually this teenager, are you hearing me? She was a teenager. If the innkeeper knew that this teenager was carrying the long-awaited promise, I can guarantee you that either he would have told somebody to leave their room or he would have gave up his room for Mary and Joseph. When I look at this scripture, I see that Joseph was told in a dream that he needed to leave 
Bethlehem immediately. Because why? Because Herod was not too keen about the news he heard from the wise men that another king was born. And if you have any idea about what goes on in those days, if there was a if there was a competing king, usually what would happen is that not only would they kill the king, but they would kill every person in the lineage of the king to make sure that nobody could stand on that, sit on that throne. What if Joseph was like us? What do you mean? The Lord speaks to him and says, get up right now and leave because they're about to kill the child. Most of us, would have said, well, give me a confirmation. Most of us would have said, well, let me finish this movie uh, on Netflix. Most of us would have said, you know what, Hallmark, my, my favorite Hallmark movie is here. Can, can we wait? So many times when God speaks to us, we need three and four confirmations when we know that God has spoken to us. Mm. Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now. He's talking about you. <laughs> What if Joseph decided, let me wait till the morning when it's more convenient? And I thought about the wise men. What if, what if the wise men just continued to look at the star and say, wow, that is very interesting, and then come? What if the wise men, when they actually came, they came empty-handed, no gifts, just came to pay homage to the king? And you say, well, why are you asking these questions? Because my point is, to those of you who are watching online, my point is this. We don't always have to know what God is doing. <sighs> you people who live in this area are too smart for your own good. I'm talking about you people. Now notice, there are three pointing at myself. We don't always have to know what God is doing, but our responsibility is to be obedient to our role in his plan. So the question is, what is my role, which is hard enough for me to make sure I take responsibility for, but as the pastor of this church, I have to always discern, God, what is Pentecostal Tabernacle's role in your plan so that we don't mess up the scene that we belong to in your divine purpose? So as I was pondering this season, and pondering the fact that we are now frustratingly, can I say that, we're frustratingly heading into another winter of this pandemic. Yes. Yes. And I remember um, 
Time Magazine having a cover, hopefully it's there, where Time Magazine, last May of 2020, labeled our young people the pandemic generation. And I remember something leaping my spirit and said, no, God, if you would help me, I do not want this pandemic to mark these young people, these children for the rest of their lives. If you remember, you'll be hearing this constantly. Our mission as a church, our mission is restoring broken lives. That is restoring lives broken by the consequences of sin to the place where these same broken lives bring glory and honor to God. And if you remember, and I'll continue to say this, that our three priorities throughout at least the rest of my pastorate, we're not changing themes anymore. That was one season, but we're entering into a new season, which is just, we're just going to focus on our mission, restoring broken lives. And the three uh, priorities that we have is, number one, church services, meaning making sure, making sure that our church services are a, a space where you, no matter who walks into this building, whether they know Jesus or don't know Jesus, our, our, our goal is to make sure that people encounter Jesus when they come in here. And that's why we spend a half an hour of prayer prior to the service because we're saying, Jesus, come in here because people are not impressed with our singing. People are not impressed with our preaching. People are not impressed with our friendliness. They need an encounter with you. And part of that is making sure that you feel safe. That's why everybody wears a mask. Because you can't have an encounter with Jesus while you're... <laughs> the other thing is that we want to make sure that we have a powerful, effective children's ministry. And then the third thing is that we have what we call a, a caring community, which is small groups, making sure that everybody re, uh, receives care, that everybody, that, that you know, almost like that, that, um, that uh, old song from the famous show that was based in Boston, the, the show uh, Cheers, don't you want to go where at least somebody knows your name? So, uh, so uh, uh, and that's why when you have first-time guests, we ask you to stand. Why? Because so often, uh, I've been in church all my life. And, and I have found that sometimes when you go to a church, you are tolerated. As opposed to celebrated. So we work hard to make sure you feel welcome. But I really want to, I want to zero on our children because I, I, I believe with all my heart that I was born to pastor children. I was, I was born to pastor children. I was born to minister to, to children. I, I remember when um, we started to have our Sunday school, and I really praise God. I'm going to give a shout out to Sister Tara. Shout out to you because, when she, you know, and, I, and I say this because as she started the Sunday school, she said, Bishop, you know, 
could you adjust the service so that children can at least worship in church with their parents for one hour and then they go to Sunday school? Because what happens many times is it, it, it's ironic how we the church want families to worship together, but yet when they come to church, we separate them immediately. And so I was like, yeah, but that means I had to adjust my sermons so that the child could understand what I was saying. So I know I offend some of you because it's like, oh, he's not deep. I'm not trying to be deep. I'm trying to be effective. And so when I get an email like I got a few uh, a couple of weeks ago from uh, a parent who basically dictated for their child who said, who, who after I preached said, Bishop, thank you for that message and thank you for being a good pastor. Let me tell you something. That was worth more to me than if the President of the United States came in and gave me an award. Just for a child to say, I understand what you're saying. One of the most powerful things happened to me just a few weeks ago. My aunt, which is my, my, dad's, um, my dad's sister, him, him, uh, my dad and this particular sister, they're like, they're like Bobsy twins. There was only about two years apart of them. So my aunt, uh, she passed away and I was doing a funeral and after, the, um, after my uh, eulogy, I, I, I asked people if they, you know, if you're willing to receive Jesus Christ, if you're out in the audience, and there were not that many people in there, but there are a lot of people watching Facebook. And so after I finished giving the eulogy, I went through my prayer. If you want to receive Christ, believe that to me, Lord Jesus. And I hear this, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I come to you. And I admit, and I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And all that means is, and I went through the whole prayer, and people, everybody was saying, but there was this one loud voice. And then afterwards, my cousin brings his seven-year-old child up to me and he says, Brian, I want you to know my son received Jesus. You see, um, most of you who have little children or younger children, you, you know I'm famous for these. You know, I'm famous for these. I, when I see children, I'm famous for them. Jordan, my man Jordan, yeah. You, yeah, my, Jordan's my dude. Yeah. That's for you. Now, you may feel bad and frustrated with me after I say this, but let me tell you something. I don't do that because I'm a nice guy. I am selfish. Well, why do you do it? The reason why I do that is because I am sowing a seed because I want your child to love church. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, trust me. It's an investment. Because someday, your child's not going to be 
the nice, sweet little, ah, they're going to become high school students. And they're going to begin in college. And all of this Jesus stuff and Bible stuff, they're going to start to have questions about, is this real? And what I want is that if nothing else, when they don't feel like going to church, they don't care about church, they'll say, you know what? I may not like this. They're, they're, I may not like how they look at the word of God. I, I may not, this all stuff may be, feel counter-cultural. But you know what? That old guy used to give me money all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> give me Dunkin' Donut gift cards. And you know what? At least I knew he liked me. I want people to be able, after they ask their questions, to be able to come back to a space that they can call home. So one of the things we have instituted is, and I shared it before and I want to encourage you again, that on Thursdays, Tuesdays our day of fasting and prayer, but Thursday we've also picked up Thursday where we specifically pray for children. And so on Thursday, these are all the children's names that I call before the Lord. All the children. And you know what? You say, do we have that many children here? You know, uh, uh, we, we, they're not all here. Some have left. But just because they left doesn't mean we don't bring their names before the Lord. If they passed through this church, the scent of intercessory prayer, I don't care where they go, but someday when they become older, they're going to live for Jesus. And when we stand before God, he's going to say, well done, because you took, you were accountable to those who I gave to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And one of the reasons why we're fasting and pray, because the Bible says in Isaiah 58, verse 6, he says, is this the fast I've chosen to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? And I want to tell you right now, this is a season where I really believe there is a spirit of anxiety that is grabbing hold of people's lives. Now, I know that there's individuals who... Uh, who struggle with anxiety and they have to take medication and, and no, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there is an anxiety that is. I'll talk about me. I, I remember a couple of weeks ago I was feeling anxious, and I'm not an anxious person, but I was sensing it and worrying and and. Are we going to have a church in the future? Like all of this stress. And the Lord said to me, this is, this is not the normal concern. This is a spirit of anxiety. And 
what I'm discovering, we had a midnight prayer, and Dr. Eang said something that very struck me. It, it's found in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 14, where it talks about the seed, and it talks about some fell on good ground and some fell around the thorns. And, and the Word of God says, some of the seed, which is the Word of God, are you with me, fell, when it fell on certain hearts, it says that, watch this, the anxious worries of life has choked, up the, choked out the Word of God. And it was, like, it, was a light, it was like a light bulb went off that for some of us in this church, we can't even hear the word of God because the anxiety of worry is choking the word of God. So for example, the word of God says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, but there's still an anxious worry about our finances. Anxiousness. And I really believe that the fasting is to break this bondage of anxiety so that we can receive the promises of God. If you're with me, say amen. amen. So uh, I don't know what the future is for the children of PT or the children of our city. And I praise God for Dr. Marion's sermon talking, reminding us why we need to care about Cambridge. And not just our bless our four no more. When we moved into this building in 2013, and by the grace of God, we were able to uh, renovate the inside of this building, got the new pews and everything. We had a wonderful dedication in June of 2014 and the mayor was here, and city manager, and a whole bunch of people were here. But we invited the Amigo School Choir uh, here. Uh, they have a choir at Amigo School, is about 100 feet away from this church. And we invited them to sing because we wanted to make sure that we were a church that was embedded in the community. Are you following me? And because we did that, when a crisis and a tragedy hit one of the children whose name is Max McGiven, and I can't believe that so many years went by that Max is now a freshman in college. Oh my Lord, I'm feeling so old. But I remember that Max's dad started coming to church with Max. And his dad gave his heart, if we have that next picture, gave his heart to the Lord and was baptized. I think, is that Max? Or that, yeah, Max. And then the next picture is his dad. They got baptized on the same day. It was wonderful. Because we ministered to children. We gave space for children, and they didn't even belong to our church. But because of that, one of the children came back and brought his dad. And now his dad is here working the camera. All right, John. The power of a church embedded in a community to reach the lost for Jesus. 
We're not here to sing kumbaya, hallelujah songs. We are a fortress embedded in the kingdom of darkness to bring a light to a dying world. So as we continue to allow ourselves to be connected as a, this building is only our tool to reach this city and community. And as the Amigo School started running out of space, because they remember we invited the choir here, we were giving gift cards to their teachers and just establishing a relationship, when they ran out of space, they were like, hey, do you mind if we use the hall in your lower auditorium? And we said, sure. And we were able, if you see a picture, had, my goodness, probably about 100 children in the lower sanctuary. And they were doing their school thing. No, they weren't singing, no, our worship songs, but they were in the lower sanctuary. And what are you thinking, Bishop? I'm thinking that now, when these kids go to school, instead of looking at our building and saying, oh, that's a nice building, they'll say, hey, I've been inside there. Hey, I know such and such. Yeah, that's a cool place. And, and maybe I'll go there on a day besides my school day. Bishop, that was a good word. It sure was. <laughs> Folks, we got to think bigger than our little box of what church is. We can't be so paranoid. Oh, the pandemic. Oh, you know, you got to be careful. Oh. We are called. <laughs> I said to my wife, this is the best season to preach the gospel <laughs> because man has run out of options. <laughs> Woo! All you have to do is walk down the street with a smile on your face like, how can you smile at during times like this? Because Jesus is still Lord. <laughs> and, and the beautiful thing about this is no fake peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, not that the world can give. <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's amazing how religion has changed. <laughs> we're back in the 1600s and 1700s and 1800s. People were excited about someday I'm going to heaven. Now, no, I want to stay here for a little while. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I don't got a death wish. But my point is, is that we, we, we ought to be living our lives for the purpose of reaching people for Jesus. And we ought to make sure that we are, we are voices and intercessors and advocates for children who don't quite understand 
all the stuff that's going on. All you have to do is look at the news and see what happened in Michigan. How does a 15-year-old do such a heinous act? So the Lord spoke to me, and as I was listening, as I was just pondering the anxiety and the struggle and the challenges that are happening in children, and I'm, not, and I'm, and I'm having discussions with parents, I'm talking with teachers, and this is a stressful time. If you are a teacher, this is a stressful season. How do I know? My daughter is a teacher. It is a stressful season. And, and so the Lord spoke to me. I drive by Cambridge and Gelatin. Every, every time I go to church at work, I have to drive by the high school. So I've been driving by that high school for about almost 27 years. And, and for some reason, about six weeks ago, I was driving and the Lord said to me, go into high school and start, walk, and, and start walking around to see what's going on. So I was like, why? I want to go. He said, go. And so I went into high school, and I just started walking around and just observing, looking at the kids, looking at their faces, bumped into a teacher, and, um, and I was sitting outside. It's like a little, I want to call it a courtyard, but right in front of the, the main entrance, and I was sitting there, and a teacher came out, and, and we were talking. I said, yeah, I'm Bishop Brian Green. I'm just, you know, here just observing and, you know, seeing how we can do what we can do from help, for help to help. And the teacher just started pouring out her heart about the challenges that the high school is facing. And the, and the Lord said to me, all right, so what are you going to do about this? So I've made three visits over the last six weeks. And last week I went by there again, and I, was, you know, I went by and said, how's things going? And you know, the one of the administrators said, this week is horrible. And I'm saying to myself, you just came out of Thanksgiving break. It's only Wednesday. How could it already be horrible? And then I found out from somebody else what happened, and I was like, oh, Lord. And so I've decided that as a church, I said, okay, tell me, how many staff people do you have in the high school? And they said, well, we have about 250 teachers, but total staff, we have 455. I said, okay, my church is going to write a thank you card to every one of your teachers and staff, and we're going to give you a gift card to let you know that we're with you. And so... This is the card that we're going to give. I'm going to sign every one of them. And the message in the card is this. This year, we at Pentecostal Tabernacle appreciate the sacrifices you have made on behalf of our students. May God bless you, and may your 2022 be as bright as the cover of this card. And folks, this is not... I remember one time I walked in 
And one of the um, administrators, you know, because they couldn't, because I had on a mask and they didn't know, they were looking at me, and when I pulled out my mask, they were like, yes, help is on the way. All they want to know is that somebody's with them in the struggle. Praise the Lord. I want to conclude with this. So I'm going to be purposeful and intentional for us to do the best we can to be, come alongside our children and our high school children and those who are in college and just come alongside them to say, look, we're supporting you in prayer. We're, we will encourage you. We will walk with you. We, somebody's praying for you every Thursday. Somebody's turning down their plate. And, and, and I like what Bishop Larry Ward said. I can only, we can only do the natural. God has to do the super. And so I want to conclude with this. In, well, I got a text message from uh, Sean Hope. And he said, uh, Bishop, I know we're looking for a, a church, but there's a church on Magazine Street that's about to uh, close or relocate, and it might be an opportunity for us to purchase the space. And so I came, looked briefly, and then um, after I looked at it, I said, wow, this may, this may be a spot for us. And then uh, a few months later, or a month later, when it was entirely closed, came back because now it was in the hands of the realtors. And I'm not sure if we have a picture of what uh, this building looked like on the outside before we fixed it. Uh, but that was the inside. That's how, that's how it looked inside. So some of you who are new, there was, there was no center aisle. There was just a large pew in the center, and then there were uh, pews on this side and pews on this side. And I remember when I, we looked at it, and we had a, a photographer in our church, and, and that's why you need to have different voices, because different voices see differently. And the first thing the photographer said is, um, where's the aisle for the bride to walk up? <laughs> I was happy that we had a church, and I was like, Oh, you're right. And so we talked to the designers and they were able, that's why we had four, it was amazing that they put this together. But I remember walking in the basement of the church. I walked up here and walked in the fellowship hall and it was, uh, everything was horrible. Windows were broken, that window there to your left, uh, my right. Uh, was boarded up because Hurricane Sandy, that's how long ago it was, blew out that window, so we had a, it was just a mess. And I remember walking in the basement, and that basement was spooky. You, you, think it, you think it's okay now, it was really spooky then. And I was walking in the basement, and I heard the Holy Spirit spoke to me from Haggai chapter two, and he said, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former house, and I'm asking you, Brian, will you fix my house? 
And I remember saying, God, if you give us this building, we will, we will bring glory back to your house. And by God's grace, some of you know, um, because of the renovations we had at the city of Cambridge, we won a, well, I guess you call it a, there's another word for it, a restoration renovation, I guess, uh, award from the city for the work that God has blessed us to do in this house. It's wonderful when the unbelievers can recognize the things of God. Amen. And so, as we have been able to fix, you know, we still have a whole lot of work to do, but as we've been able to fix the house of God and repair it, um, the Lord was, spoke to me, my wife, in, in, in April, which is weird. Not where did he spoke to us, but where what he said. He said, he said, I want you to write out your Christmas offering now. And I was like, God, it's April. Like God was not aware that it was April. And he said, I want you to write out a $5,000 check for your Christmas offering in April. And so... We were obedient. We wrote it out. And then we get to December, and the Lord started speaking to me about the fact that, he said, Brian, it is time for you to start as a church to renovate the basement. And he said, and, and one of the things we were thinking is that right now for Sunday school, because we're in this building, you know, many of you know that uh, we used to have service at 77 PT North, and you just walk across the street to the administrative building. Well, now that's not going to happen for a while. It's quiet in here already, but that's all right. And so we, and so the Lord said, it's time for you to start repairing the basement so that, number one, children can go downstairs and have Sunday school instead of going across town. Are you traveling me? Yeah. And he said, and, and now you gotta remember, even if we use this place totally for Sunday school, that makes no sense because at best, it would only be used three hours out of the 168. And so there are other things like small groups and uh, fan into flames and, and there's, there's a number of things, Bible study, like there's a number of things the space downstairs can be used for. And what's interesting about that space, you may not realize it, but there is more square footage usage in the basement than all of 345 Washington Street. There is space down there. And as the Lord started speaking to me about that, I shared, we started talking about it as an executive team. And then, as we were looking at where our church was financially, let me tell you something. God's hand is on this church. As you know, last year, because, no, we had our best financial year in the history of this church, which makes no sense during a pandemic. But because of that, 
know, higher income and of course lower expenses, by the grace of God and your generosity, we were able to retire the debt at 345 Washington Street, basically about 22 years earlier than planned. That is the Lord. That is the Lord. We had a debt of a little over about around $550,000 that we were able to retire, boom, no more interest because of your giving and your generosity and, and the grace of God. And so as we started looking at things, we were like, whoa, wait a minute. And I was talking, and I called up, um, <laughs> I was going to call you the Apostle Paul, but I guess that's a good thing. But Paul's our treasure. And I called him up and I said, do you think it's possible that we could retire the debt of PT South? And he started looking at some numbers and he said, I think we can if, basically said, if we collected this month, I hope everybody online is listening, if we collect this month $350,000, if, if we can collect that this month, email said, oh, but guess what? You did better than that last year. So if you or us can be as generous this year as we were last year, this blows my mind. We can retire the debt of this building at the end of this month, which means that we will be a totally debt-free church. We spent $40,000 in interest a year. Now we can take that and put it into kingdom work. God is good, folks. So I, I want to encourage you that this month you're going to be hearing more. But believe it or not, if we could just receive what we received last year, we will not only be able to retire the debt, which is a little over $600,000. So that means 345 Washington Street and PT South, we will retire both debts, both mortgages in eight years. God is amazing. But we will also be able to start the first phase of the renovation in the basement. And what's the first phase? The first phase is simply to make the space safe. So we're not even getting into hiring architects and getting people's thoughts. We, we will do that stuff later, but right now we have to make the space safe because if the space isn't safe, you can't use it for anything. There's asbestos down there. I mean, it's safe. 
but once but you have to get rid of that stuff there are old pipes that need to be so we want to make it safe and uh, I'll conclude with this and then we'll pray thank you for your patience one of the most powerful things that happened we were here for first uh, first Fridays which for those of you who are not know every first Friday we spend time in the presence of God just waiting and, and worshiping and praying and I just felt led that I, I said, okay, whoever wants to come, if you could come down, I, I want us to go and anoint and pray for the basement. And so we, about 25 people or so, went down to the basement and we started praying. And I tell you, the presence of the Lord started filling that space. And there was a sense that God wanted to do something powerful in, in this space. And, and I'll close with this. The Lord spoke to me through the, the Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and then we'll pray. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says this. In the New Living Translation, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Amen. The Lord rejoices. And so I'm going to encourage you. You're going to be hearing more every Sunday. We're going to have a different aspect. We're hoping uh, next Sunday that we're going to have a small video clip for you to see what the space that's downstairs. But I, I really believe that, that God wants us to retire the debt so that now we can focus on doing something bigger and greater for the Lord. And so at this time, I'm going to ask you to stand. And because you're in the same family, Paul, if you could grab the microphone of your son, and yep, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna ask you if you could just offer up a prayer on behalf of the offering that we're going to take. Uh, we're gonna have a line. Those of you who give online, uh, we by next Sunday we should have a a line on our giving portal that says Christmas offering where we just want to we want to give Christ his birthday present amen amen and I'm, I'm and I'm I want to I encourage you that when you take care of God's house I'm a witness I've learned from my mom I learned from my grandmother when you take care of God's house he'll take care of yours but I don't take care of God's house because I want to take care of mine I take care of his house because I love him because I love him and so I'm going to ask oh, Paul if you just pray. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll let people see who you are. Paul's our treasure. He's been a blessing to us. Come on, let's give God praise. And then I'll give the closing blessing.
as I give you the closing blessing, again, like Joseph, I don't know why God is saying, do this now. Like the wise men, I don't know why they brought their gifts. Although now, the reason why they brought their gifts is because their role was to finance Mary and Joseph's trip while stay in Egypt. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God already made provision for a trip that they didn't even know they were going to take. I want you to repeat after me. God has made provision, God has made provision for, me for me in 2022, in 2022. for journeys. I don't even know I'm going to take. Come on, let's give God praise. That's what you don't have to understand. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so put out your hand. I want to give you this final blessing. And just before we give the final blessing, could you just take, while your hands are open up, could you just take 10 seconds just to bless the Lord for what he's doing in your life? what provisions he's making, people who he's putting in your life, teachers and, 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 and those who are called gifts that he's going to put in your life because he, ha he has a powerful future for you. Those of you who are new to this church, we don't give a closing prayer, we give a closing blessing and we stick at our hands with our palms facing towards heaven. Because James chapter 1, verse 17 to 21 says that every good and gift comes down from the Father of light. And so, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face shine, grin, and beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And in this season where there's such anxiety, such worry, so that we can't even receive the word of God at times. Later, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity and his success. And may the Lord this week remove anything and everything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you according to Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you and have a fantastic day in the Lord. Amen.